Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Episode 215 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, Wimbledon, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device, sign up today, and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAVE. B-L-E-A-V, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 215 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Look, I be riding through my old hood, but I'm in my new yes, whip. Same old attitude, but I'm on that new shit. Yeah. They say they gon' ride me, see me never do nothing. Cause they know that's the reason they gon' end up on the news clip. Or tomorrow on my wrist, bust down. Blame. We popping bottles like I scored a winning touchdown. Remember me dead broke, Bro. look at me up now. Uh. I run my city from South Philly back to Uptown. Thank God all these bottles I pop, all this paper I've been getting, all these models I pop. I just sold a hundred thousand for my album got dropped in the morning 23. I'm just welcome back, welcome back. Episode 215 for the love of the game with yours truly. It's ATH. Aaron Tobin has back in the saddle, back behind the mic. And now that July 4th has come and gone, Joey Chestnut retains his crown as hot dog champion at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. We are really in the dog days of summer. Opening weekend of NBA free agency has come and gone. A lot of deals were signed. We're going to talk about some of the deals I liked and some of the deals I didn't like with the recurring guests in just a matter of moments. But a couple of NBA things of note. So Damian Lillard finally did it. He finally did it. He finally asked for a trade from the, from the Portland Trailblazers. His preferred destination is the Miami Heat. Apparently, he'll accept the Brooklyn Nets, but right now we're hearing the only team he'll accept is the Miami Heat and that other teams are being told by his agents to not trade for him because if you trade for him, you're trading for an unhappy player. Eventually, he is going to get to the Miami Heat. I've been saying this for weeks. It's going to happen eventually. A couple of hiccups that need to be overcome. Look at Portland's roster. They just drafted Scoot Henderson. They have Anthony Simons, another young guard, slightly undersized. Scoot Henderson is 6'2". He's a point guard, slightly undersized. They have Shaden Sharp, another young guard. So that's three young guards that they got to cater to. They're going to be the bedrock of their team going forward. Miami's greatest young asset is Tyler Hero. A young guard who's 23 years old. He just doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. And, you know, you can add the salary filler, whether it's Duncan Robinson, whether it's Kyle Lowry's expiring. You can add all the picks and all the swaps. Miami has that at its disposal. They're probably going to need a third team, somebody who's going to be interested in Tyler Hero. And this is where the Nets come in. That could facilitate the trade. The Nets get Tyler Hero, extra assets go to Portland. Portland is going to be holding out for a King's Ransom for Damian Lillard. The problem is 
is twofold. One, the Rudy Gobert trade and what happened after that has kind of suppressed the trade market. Teams are not going to be doing those types of deals anymore. The new CBA has suppressed the ability to do these types of trades. And, you know, teams are more gun-shy now than ever, you know, with the new tax implications. And Damian Lillard's contract is huge. At the end of his deal, the last year of his deal, it's going to be over $60 million for a guy who's 36 years old. Now, again, if I'm Miami, I say to hell with it because if you can get Damian Lillard with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and you know that Miami is very capable, very, very capable. In fact, they're probably the most capable team in terms of filling in pieces off the scrap heap around those guys. Then you do it. You do it. And Portland, at this point, they just have to do it. All right? The writing was on the wall when they got the third overall pick and took Scoot Henderson. And if you're Portland and the offers aren't great, like Boston's not offering Jalen Brown, I mean, who are the real blue, blue chippers that you're going to be getting? And the calculus changes now that you landed the third overall pick and took Scoot Henderson. Again, a prospect who had a crazy amount of value before the draft. Again, the top three in this past year's draft was seen as more valuable than normal top three picks. So if you're Portland, take what you can get. And honestly, a mix of expirings and picks and if Tyler Heroes rerouted somewhere else for another asset that's not a bad return and I'm and Portland if they're waiting for the Kevin Durant package if they're waiting for the Rudy Gobert package they're not getting it look around the league and look who needs point guards they're just not getting it as good as Damian Lillard is times have changed Times have changed, but finally, he asked for a trade. He can be traded. I found out July 9th, so I expect things to move somewhat slowly because, again, you're involving a third team to be in the mix, but Damian Lillard will be in Miami by the start of the season. I've said that for weeks, and I will continue to hold true on that. A little Knicks offseason update. So two big moves. One, the Knicks signed... Villanova guard, who played for the Golden State Warriors last year, Dante DiVincenzo, to a four-year, $50 million deal. Basically the mid-level exception. It's a nice move. It's a nice piece. He fits. He has chemistry with Brunson, Josh Hart. Those guys love each other. They played together in college. They won together in college. Wonderful. He's a secondary ball handler. He can shoot the three. Plays hard on defense. Great. The Biggest problem, though, that the Knicks are having is they still look at the guard rotation. Brunson, quickly, Hart, Grimes, DiVincenzo, Barrett. It's very, very crowded. Very, very crowded. Like, who's losing minutes? The Knicks need to make a consolidation trade. Need to, okay? This is a must. And to all the Knicks fans, and, and there were reports out there that they backed out of the Paul George negotiations because it was like quickly they wanted Toppin, who was then traded to Indiana. We'll get to that in a second. 
quickly top in two first round picks. They wanted RJ Barrett instead. The Knicks balked at doing that because they Paul George wanted a big extension on top of that. I get that. You, you don't show your cards too quickly if you're the Knicks. You don't have to agree to an extension of Paul George before the trade. That's totally fine. But they need to make this trade. Make a consolidation trade, okay? Quickly is about to get expensive. R.J. Barrett's about to get expensive. Your window in packaging things together for an all-NBA caliber player is closing. Is Paul George perfect? No, he's 33 and injury prone. But when he's right, he's really good. And if so be it, the Knicks don't come to, you know, great terms with Paul George and give him that extension, then you reset. You still have Brunson. You still have Hart, DiVincenzo. You still have pieces. The cupboard isn't bare. You still have picks going forward. It's time to make a consolidation trade. Is Zion Williamson going to be available, like Mark Berman says, and actually get Julius Randle out? If that's the case, jump all in. I know the risks for Zion are what they are, and they're really scary, but it's a consolidation move, and it gets rid of Julius Randle, which is great, but the Knicks need to do something. They had a chance to do something last summer, and they should have. Donovan Mitchell fits the profile of what you're looking for in a consolidation trade more than Paul George does. His age, his durability, his performance in the playoffs, even though this past year against the Knicks in the first round, he was not very good. But you know what I'm saying? It's time. It's time to make a move. You have to just jump in and push your chips in the table sometimes. Is it perfect? No. But do something. It will lead to something else. And Figure it out. Stop expecting Joel Embiid to be on the block. Stop expecting Giannis to be on the block in two years. It's go time. We have a window. It's time to go. All right. As for the Obi Toppin trade, I am pro Obi Toppin. Again, my biggest wish for this offseason was for the Knicks to have traded Julius Randle and for Obi Toppin to have been the starting power forward. But that wasn't the reality. The reality was the Knicks drafted Obi Toppin to be Julius Randle insurance and to basically take Julius Randle's spot. And then 2021 happened and Julius Randle had the year of his life and Tom Thibodeau, who doesn't necessarily love young guys, especially rookies at that time, which Obi Toppin was a rookie, was married to Julius Randle. And the Knicks gave Randall an extension because they made the playoffs for the first time in almost a decade. And from that point on, Obi Toppin's time in New York was doomed. Doomed. I don't care about when he would play 30 minutes, what the numbers were. It was never going to happen. The Tibbs-Randall bromance was too strong. So did they bungle the situation, the Knicks, with a top 10 pick who's shown flashes in terms of his return back? Yes. Yes, they did. But it was doomed from the start. It was doomed from the start. The second Julius Randle made an All-NBA team in 2021. So I wish Obi Toppin the best. The Pacers are going to be super exciting, super fun. I think they were one of the big winners in free agency so far. But yeah, I wish Obi the best. It's a shame it didn't work out here. It is what it is.
A couple of other free agency thoughts before we get to a recurring guest to flush this out a little bit. Quick hitters. The Houston Rockets spent a boatload of money. Three years, 130-something million for Fred Van Vliet. Four years, $80 million for Dylan Brooks. They brought in two adults in the room for a team that desperately needed adults in the room. But I don't know. Fred Van Vliet on a max? Is Fred Van Vliet a max player? And Dylan Brooks, who was statistically the worst shooter from three and from the outside for a guy who took that many attempts? $80 million, $20 million a year just to be an irritant? I don't know. That that seems a little ridiculous to me. Uh, that's the Rockets. The Lakers, they did okay. I thought the Austin Reeves contract, $51 million for Austin Reeves was a bit of a bargain. They generally brought it back. The Lakers, that was what was afforded to them. I don't understand how San Antonio didn't offer Reeves $98 million and make the Lakers match, but whatever. The Lakers holding steady did just fine. I don't know what Toronto's doing. We just mentioned Fred Van Vliet left in free agency. They brought back Jakob Pertle. They're clearly not tanking. They have all these forwards. They have no guards. They have no point guard. What are they doing? The Dallas Mavericks can't take you seriously if you're in the Kyrie business. All right? It just can't. Three years, $120-something million for Kyrie Irving. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Who are they bidding against? There was no market. Who are they bidding against? I don't understand what Dallas is doing. They did get Grant Williams in a trade. And as much as I don't like Grant Williams, I think he fits them nicely. But again, if you're in the Kyrie business, I cannot take you seriously as an organization. And last thing before we bring on our recurring guest, James Harden. James Harden opts in to his $35.6 million option with the intent that the Philadelphia 76ers are going to trade him. So if you're counting, in the last four years, James Harden has requested a trade three times. Three times. He got fat and ate his way out of Houston. All right. He sulked with the Brooklyn Nets, decided he wanted no part of that situation. That was a bit more defensible because, again, Kyrie Irving took a bomb to that organization. He's like, this is a mess. And now he wants out of Philadelphia because he doesn't like what's going on over there, even though the guy who's got the biggest boner for him in the history, Daryl Morey, is there who kisses his ass at every turn. You just – I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's, he's a loser. He's a loser. He wants to win on his own terms. And his own terms in terms of dominating the ball, getting shots up, playing iso ball, not being held accountable for postseason performance, not being held accountable for his lackadaisical defense, to put it kindly. That's just what he wants. He was in a great situation in Philadelphia. He was playing with the MVP of the league, Joel Embiid. They had one of the best pick-and-roll duos statistically in basketball the last two years. He wants away from that. Can't take the guy seriously. Doc Rivers, who I don't think has been a particularly good coach for the last 10 years. Doc Rivers on Bill Simmons' podcast basically nuked James Harden that he was impossible to coach. 
Yeah, no shit. He doesn't take conditioning seriously. He doesn't take practice seriously. He doesn't take winning seriously. When it was reported that the Knicks were interested, that was a line in the sand for me. If the Knicks trade for James Harden and he plays one minute in a Knicks uniform, that's it. The fandom, my Knicks fandom is done. Done. That's a line in the sand. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, those are lines in the sand for me. I mean, he's just a loser. Three trade requests in four years. And yeah, the Sixers won the Ben Simmons, James Harden trade because James Harden actually plays and Ben Simmons forgot how to play basketball. But if you're going forward, who the hell wants to trade for James Harden? Seriously, if you fancy yourself a serious organization, who wants the guy? It's baffling. It's absolutely baffling to me. I don't know why anybody would want to go down that road. The Clippers, what, what do they need it for? Weird. We'll see how it plays out. I hope for Sixers fans that James Harden gets his way and he's traded. It'll be better for the Sixers in the long run. But yeah, that guy's such a joke. An absolute joke. With that said, considering the Yankees are boring and puttering along, the Mets have been a disaster even though they've won four straight games recently, but still, it's been an ugly first half for the Mets. Not really a whole heck of a lot to talk about except for NBA offseason right now, and we are going to bring on a recurring guest to flesh out some free agency thoughts, some offseason thoughts in just a matter of moments. So we are in offseason mode. Uh, happy to have Greg Silver back on to talk a little NBA free agency, some trade speculation. He's currently out in the West Coast rocking himself, some Tom Cruise-like aviators sitting outside, trying to get a little bit of a glow, which I can respect. Greg, what's good, bud? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's always good to catch up with you and talk hoops. This is going to be a nice, easy, fun episode, and hopefully my audio is nice and clear out in the outdoors, but... Let's get all into it, man. The offseason, it's been crazy, and we still have stuff to come. And the biggest story right now is not the Mad Libs episode of Britney Spears and Victor Wimbanyama, which honestly, if you gave yourself a thousand chances to write a Mad Libs headline, you wouldn't put those two together. But here we are. It's uh, 2023. Crazy things have happened. Obviously, it's the Damian Lillard situation, right? So he finally asks for a trade. Now it looks like he's dead set on the Miami Heat. Uh, he won't report to camp unless he gets his way to the Miami Heat, which is a far cry from him saying and tweeting out a couple of years ago, guys are running from the smoke, and I'm paraphrasing. So we've, we've come full circle, Dame. Congratulations. You are now Kevin Durant. I know it's a little bit different, but whatever. Very similar. What's your thoughts on this whole situation? And how do you see it playing out? I mean, Damian Lillard has earned a bigger stage, and I think everybody wants to take the side of Dame. I think it's hard not to like Dame, right? Like, he hasn't really been a villain by any means for a lot of teams. The farthest he's gotten is the Western Conference Finals. He's been loyal. He's been clutch. He's been pure money and one of the best players, the Portland Trailblazers, have ever had. So, yeah, we all want to take the side of Damian Lillard, but I think it's just this whole idea of like, oh, just trade him to Miami. Why not? Like, yeah, obviously that'd be cool. That'd be great for Dame and it'd be good for the league. But if you're Joe Cronin, your job is to build for the future of your team, regardless of how your fan base responds to you. 
So you're not just going to ship one of the best players that Portland has ever had off to Miami just because he's earned it. And if you can't get a good trade package in return, you're not going to rush to make it happen. I mean, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers were in a stalemate. Like we all knew the trade was going to happen, but it was a long process throughout the offseason. So I believe Damian Lillard will end up there and that the two teams or maybe three, if they make it a three team deal, they're going to find a compromise. But it's going to take some time, and Joe Cronin is in no rush to just make this happen. But, yes, I'd love to see Damian Lillard in a Miami Heat jersey, especially with the finals run, the improbable finals run that we just saw come out of them. So, yeah, it'd be great. But as much as I am on the side of Damian Lillard, I understand why they're not just rushing to ship him off if they can't get a good future-building package in return. Yeah, and I said on the monologue, listen, Tyler Hero is a nice player. He's a little divisive around the league, but they kind of have a bunch of those guys already. They just drafted Scoot. Um, they, you know, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp. There's not a whole lot of room for Tyler Hero. I, I do believe that he will get to Miami. That's Damian Lillard. Tyler Hero will go somewhere else and they'll get a better package. But, like, also the Blazers – considering the landscape of the league has shifted, right? You know, the CBA makes it a lot harder now with Dame's contract to trade him. So if you expect a Rudy Gobert return, you're not getting it, right? Those days are over, completely over, uh, especially for a guy who's going to be 36 years old and making like $65 million a year. Uh, So you're just not going to get the return. So Portland has to, you know, accept that as well. And we all know how this goes, right? We, we've seen the way the NBA has worked that, you know, the guy, no matter what his contract looks like, he's going to get to his preferred destination. It just is what it is. Do I think it's right? No, but that's just the way it is. And, you know, Dame has been a good soldier for the Trailblazers. Their whole thing completely changed when they had the opportunity to draft Scoot Henderson. So it's not as egregious as some of the other guys who have bitched and moaned their way out of town to their uh, respective places, but I think he'll end up in Miami uh, eventually as well. Uh, It'll probably be a three-team trade. So I wanted to bring you on for free agency. Well, I I want to start with this. We're going to alternate here. Three deals that you liked most and why. Your first deal. Uh, The first deal I'm going to go with is not like a big splash by any means, but it's just kind of like the principle of it, which is Russell Westbrook coming back to the Clippers because Russell Westbrook got a lot of hate throughout the 2010s decade as a whole. I mean, he's an MVP, but people thought he was a stat patter. He couldn't win big games. He wasn't a championship player. And I think what we saw in this last postseason is that he provided the Clippers with something that they just frankly didn't have, which was a fire and an energy and kind of like an element of intimidation that actually is necessary to compete in the playoffs. And look, they were going against a way more talented Suns team. I know the series went five games, but Russell Westbrook clearly was their best player in the postseason, and he added a flavor to that roster that Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or even Ty Lue doesn't bring. And I'm not here to hate on Ty Lue, But I just think it's fair to bring this up that Doc Rivers gets so much hate as a head coach because of the leads that his teams have blown or not being able to win game sevens or blah, blah, blah. You name it. Ty Lue is a good coach, and I don't think he's not a good coach. But the disparity between how people look at Doc Rivers and Ty Lue, I'm sorry. They've done about the same handling this Clippers team. 
Like, yeah, but I think the circumstances that Ty Lue has been up against with his time in the Clippers have been worse than Doc's. In terms I would of, agree. In terms of just Kawhi Leonard and Paul George missing games. And, like, you can hear it in Ty Lue's voice when he talks about, like, no continuity. Like, yeah, the Clippers were snake-bitten with Doc, but it wasn't to this degree. I do agree with you that it was worse circumstances, but – I just think it's been blown a little bit larger into proportion than I would see as fair as a fan of not the Clippers and who's just kind of observed them neutrally. But anyway, back to Westbrook, 8 million to get him on that deal, I think is just a complete steal. I'm happy for him that he found a home as much as I would like to make fun of Westbrook at times in my immature teenage years, or as much as I don't like the Los Angeles Lakers. He didn't really deserve what he had to deal with when he was in L.A. that whole time. So to have him find a new home and just be an important piece and a welcomed piece, I really like that re-signing for Russ. And with the load, ma- with the load management stuff with the Clippers, like they need guys who are just going to fill minutes at high usage and high volume. So Russ can definitely do that. And he was very, he was very good for them in the playoffs. Like he was. And that – you know, Suns situation, that Suns series was a lot closer than you would have expected just because Russ was going crazy. And if you give him the leash to do that in doses, it could be good for the Clippers. So I'm with you there. My favorite was Bruce Brown to the Indiana Pacers. Two years, $48 million, I think it was. Now, this is a great deal for both parties because – It's got a team option in the second year. So Brown cashes in $24 million a year. And if, say, you know, Indiana doesn't meet expectations, that contract is easily tradable to a contender. They'll get stuff back. He's a nice building block. If he stays there for a team that's got, you know, young perimeter players, uh, Halliburton, Matherin, Buddy Heald's in a contract year. I think he's a great fit there. I know Denver probably couldn't get to that number, and that's why he wasn't brought back. But it's a great deal for both parties, just given the flexibility of it. So that's my number one deal. Bruce Brown to the Pacers. I know it's probably a little higher of a number than you would expect for Bruce Brown. And I do think you're going to see some shine come off of Bruce Brown because he's not playing with the likes of Nikola Jokic. But you saw him on the Nets be very good in a way more limited role. So I like this deal for both parties. Totally agree. Really like the Bruce Brown signing. I'm just sad that the Mike Malone, Brucey B, hell no video didn't age well because it was funny. But for Bruce Brown himself, I do like the deals. As Ryan Rossillo said, the worst time to negotiate a contract extension is right after you win a title. And you've had a couple of drinks. So you had to know it wasn't going to stick. My second one that I'm going to go to is kind of pains me a little bit because it involves the L.A. Lakers. And I do think they had a good free agency, but obviously happy for my man Gabe Vincent out of UCSB to go and get that contract and go join an L.A. Lakers team. Yep. Gabe Vincent proved he was a big game player. He was great for the Miami Heat team. And I think he'll fit right in playing with veteran leaders like a LeBron James if we get the good version of Anthony Davis, which, you know, sometimes happens and it killed my Warriors. So I'm not here to trash AD. I'm just being honest and objective about the fact that he has his moments. Um, 
Yeah, I think the Lakers had a really good free agency. I do. And I think Gabe Vincent's a perfect role player to plug into their system, get another point guard that can handle the ball and just make smart plays. That's good for the roster. And I'm happy that he got his money. I want to piggyback off of that. Austin Reeves at $51 million for three years is also a really good signing by the Lakers. You thought it was going to get to upwards around $100 million over four years, but the fact that they were able to circumvent that, you know, with restricted free agency being the way it is, it's it's pretty impressive for the Lakers. The Lakers did what, you know, they weren't like super active. They just wanted to bring back their guys, which was normal. That's kind of where their balance sheet stood. But all things considered, that's that's a great deal for the Lakers on both fronts. I, I really like the Gabe Vincent signing. My second and, one. And before, actually, yeah. before you get to your second one, just a note on the Lakers is I was going to say, I will give Rob Palenka his credit because this is what we expected to some extent. Like when you get swept in the conference finals and LeBron is 38 and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of contemplating retirement. And like he, LeBron is very smart. He clearly was putting pressure on them to do something in free agency. So credit to Rob Palenka for going out and doing it, capitalizing on this window where he has a LeBron James, who is still very much a dominant basketball player. Yeah, I, I, you have to. You have to. I, I just, I do love it, though, that the guy, what's his name? Uh, Jason something at the Volume of Sports. He's excellent, by the way, but he's a huge Lakers homer. Or he's talking yeah. about the fact that the Lakers are the second best team in the league next year, you know, because if you bet on Anthony Davis to re, you know, discover his jump shot, because he's only discovered his jump shot for one season, and it happened to have been after a four-month layoff when they're playing in open gyms. But whatever, we're not we're not going to trash the Lakers right now, and Laker fans. Uh, my second one is Eric Gordon to the Phoenix Suns. Why was there not a bigger market for Eric Gordon? Like, I know he's not going to get a big number, but you're telling me another contending team with a mid-level isn't going to be interested in Eric Gordon? I just, how the Suns sort of got away with it, it's it's a great signing by the Suns. It's a guy who's going to be able to bolster second units. Now, again, I still think the Suns are very limited. They, they don't have a table setter on the roster, and ultimately I will be fading anybody who wants to bet the Suns come my way. I will happily book all your action. Um, but it's a good signing for them. It's a good signing, and it'll be interesting to see if they can actually get a table setter because campaign is not it, and point Devin Booker, as great as Booker is, is not it. But Eric Gordon at that number is a really nice signing for the Suns. Well, I think also when you consider the Suns' injury problems at times, like Kevin Durant has missed a lot of games. Devin Booker did have some injuries last year, but for the most part is reliable. They're weird. Yeah, for, he's, yeah. he's generally pretty durable. Right. So uh, in general, I think Gordon's a nice plug in piece, too, when you got injury problems. So I, I like your thinking on that, too. Um, my last one, I decided uh, I'm not going to talk about Draymond and the Warriors because I do that every single podcast I ever do. I'm glad that they brought him back. List. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad they brought him back and maximizing this window. But I wanted to focus on something that was less nationally talked about. And this isn't necessarily a particular signing, but I think it's just. I admire the general approach of the Sacramento Kings because I'm in an area where I've seen people suffer for so long at just incredible dysfunctional organizational tactics. And I'm just glad for their case that they didn't try to do anything too ridiculous and over the top. I know that re-signing Harrison Barnes 
isn't a sexy re-signing, but what it tells me is that they know who they are and they're comfortable with the direction they're going in. The Kings were good enough to win a playoff series last year. They know that. They happened to run into the Game 7 wall of Steph Curry, who just decided there was no way in the world they were going to lose that game. Keegan Murray, they decided not to trade or do anything radical there. He's been like Kevin Durant in Summer League out there, which is really fun. I don't um, know why he's there. He was the MVP of it last year. He showed that he's good enough to not be there. Like, I, I'm, I guess I'm glad that somebody likes playing basketball and wants to, you know, get reps over the summer. But there's no reason he needs to be there. Nah, he just wants to remind little brother that he's the top dog. Well, twin brother, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think I just like the Kings and that they're not panicking with, oh, we were a three seed, but we didn't win a playoff series. I think they know what they are. They extended Sabonis. De'Aaron Fox is clearly that dude in high pressure situations. So I just admire them for not doing anything over the top. And I think signing Kyle Kuzma to like a massive deal, I'm not sure that was the right move for them. I'm really not. So just props to the Kings for just like not hitting the panic button and knowing that they're building something and moving in the right direction. And if they want to bring in a guy like Kyle Kuzma, his contract is tradable enough given his age where the Kings can package some things together, even though I do think Keegan Murray is basically going to be the same player as Kyle Kuzma. Uh, if not a little bit better, because I just think his three-point shot has the chance to be better. But yeah, the Kings are the only. My only issue with the Kings was is they do the deal on draft night to free up the cap space, right? And they didn't really get aggressive with the cap space. They extended Sabonis a year before. I mean, you take care of the guy who is third-team All NBA, and I'm totally okay with it. But. I, I guess they didn't have to do it. It was just a weird allocation of cap space, but I can't really kill the Kings for what they've done, um, you know, especially the last couple of months because they've been ultra competent and best season in the last decade easily. So, yeah, hard to kill the Kings. My last signing would be DiVincenzo to the Knicks, four years, 50. The Nova boys reunited. Would I love Mikael Bridges to reunite with his crew? Yes, obviously. It's never going to happen, Knicks fans. He's uh, he's too good on too good of a contract. But it's a guy who's a two-way player, can do a little ball handling, makes threes at a high clip, plays hard, has played in big games, and it's a perfect fit. Now, the Knicks need to do something else because their backcourt slash swing pieces are very crowded with a lot of guys who are, are around the same age, by the way. Brunson, Quickly, DiVincenzo, R.J. Barrett, Quinton Grimes, Deuce McBride is still there. Like, it's a lot of guys. And all these guys, you know, Quickly's going to be up for an extension. Barrett's about to get expensive. Like, they need to consolidate the roster. It's time. I said it in the monologue. It's time. Who that player is, I thought, again, I'm on record saying they should have done it last summer for Donovan Mitchell. They didn't do it. Who is that? Is that Paul George at a price? I think at a certain point, you just have to go all in. You can't just be waiting for Joel Embiid, for Giannis to potentially become available. Zion Williamson, same thing, and he's got a whole other slew of issues. Um, just go all in, and the cupboard won't be bare. Like, You'll still have pieces. You can still move Randall's contract if only they would do that already. But it's time. 
It's time to consolidate the roster, and it may not be perfect, but whatever. The Jalen Brunson contract is such a gift. It's such a gift that you have to take advantage. I'm just so glad. I'm so glad you said the Brunson thing because what I was going to tell you is that the fact that Jalen Brunson played the level of basketball that he did for the last year just completely changes the narrative around the Knicks because he was so much better than expected. I think everybody was wowed by the ceiling of this guy who was deemed a really good college player and could maybe turn into a good NBA smart role player. No, he was awesome. And because of that, you have the flexibility to build something out of it. So yeah, Dante, as a Dubs fan, look, you're getting a guy that's going to play hard all the time. He had some playoff stinkers. He had some playoff great moments, but he's always going to play hard. So that's a that's a nice piece to have. And you just you don't ever have to worry about the kind of effort he's going to bring on the court. Tibbs is going to love him. Tibbs yeah. is going to love him. He's probably going to play him too many minutes or whatever. <laughs> that's a Tibbs thing. <laughs> it is what it is. But no, he's going to be a great fit in New York. Um, so let me ask you this. We're just positive. Let's turn negative, all right? Because that's what everybody loves. Let's turn negative. Your three least favorite signings of the offseason so far. Because there have been just some get, doozies. I mean, I'll get the obvious one out of the way. I don't think Dylan Brooks is worth $80 million. Like, And I, I will say this. Number one on my jokes, list. Yeah, with all the jokes that have come with Dylan Brooks. The bottom line is he is an NBA player, okay? Like, I know everyone's like, oh, he's going overseas. No, Dylan Brooks is an NBA player. It's just that you think he's horrendous because he talks like he is uh, got to carry the load of a Draymond Green or an Anthony Davis. And what he is is someone who shrunk in the playoffs and decided to poke the guy that has been through the most playoff journeys in this generation, which was just so funny and stupid at the same time. Yes, he's an NBA player. He absolutely can play on the Rockets. Is he worth eighty million dollars? No. End of story. Yeah, I mean, I, I said it in the monologue, and Chris Vernon over at the Ringer has been on this. Like Dylan Brooks was the worst perimeter shooter in the league for somebody who took that amount of attempts, and there's just a lack of self awareness there. And I know what the Rockets are trying to do. They're trying to get to the salary floor and bring in a couple of adults. But is Dylan Brooks really the adult that you want to be paying $20 million to? I don't know. I think that signing was absolutely terrible. And my that was my first you know, signing that I hated the most. The second one, we're going back to Houston. Along the same lines, I know they're trying to bring adults in the room. Fred Van Vliet, three years, $130 million or so, something like that. It's a max deal. I like Fred Van Vliet. I don't like Fred Van Vliet on a max. And again, it's Houston. They're they're in a different circumstance, but I I don't know. It's just, it's too much for Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, Van Vliet was not particularly efficient last year either. And I know he played for the Toronto Raptors who had a glaring perimeter shooting problem. So he probably was forced to take a lot of shots. I'm happy historically that this is the best contract an undrafted player has ever gotten. Like, there's nothing yeah, about no Fred question. Van Vliet. There's, there's no yeah. shade against Fred Van Vliet, but like, like, is he supposed to be like one of the highest paid players in the league? Like, no. No, I agree. It's it's more an it's more a commentary on the Houston Rockets than it is on Van Vliet. So. Yeah, yes. it was a bit of a head-scratcher, uh, and kind of along those lines, actually. Oh, by the way, hold one... on one second. I forgot to mention, the third yeah. year on that 
contract is a team option. So it's, it's not as bad. It's still not great. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good, good context for sure. Cause contract stuff can get very confusing, uh, even for people that follow the league. So I like that. Um, yeah. My second one was again, not really a knock on the player, but more just a knock on what is this franchise doing, which is the extension that Kyle Kuzma got because when Jordan Poole got traded, I was thinking only the Washington Wizards would have just taken that full contract off the hands. Like that was just so funny. They got to pay, gotta pay somebody. They got to pay somebody. And with giving Poole a bunch of money and now you got Kuzma a bunch of money, I just don't really understand what they're trying to do. Like you're in between tanking and possibility at a playoff run now maybe that'll change this year and maybe we'll all be surprised so i'm not here to just draw conclusions 11 months out in advance but it's just a little confusing to me like i don't know kuzma's a fine player but it's like i can never tell what the wizards are trying to do and by the way they traded Rui for like a bag of chips back then. Like I, I didn't think Rui was a star by any means but clearly when he was on the lakers he is a pretty capable basketball player well, that's going to lead me to my second one that I like the least. Because Rui Hachimura, again, was a great fit for the Lakers, and the Lakers brought him back. But anything over mid-level exception money for Rui Hachimura is a problem, all right? Because there was nothing, nothing before he went to the Lakers for, you know, you know, pennies on the dollar that suggested that Rui Hachimura was a very good NBA basketball player. So again, I like it for the Lakers specifically, just that number to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Couldn't, I, I mean, I'm right there with you. And uh, my third one is we're kind of getting a similar theme here. Of solid players that are just probably getting a little too much money. And then clearly with my third one here, the implications of this contract are kind of the big deal. And that brings us all the way back to where we started the show. Jeremy Grant getting that level of extension kind of was a part of the reason that Damian Lillard requested the trade. I think he is a nice player. I think he'll be a good veteran for all these young guys. So it's no shade against Jeremy Grant, but that was not the solution. And now you're going to lose your franchise cornerstone in part because of that decision. I wonder if the Blazers could have a mulligan on that contract. Like, it's like now that Dame officially asked for the trade, uh, did the enjoy on this one a little bit too quick? Uh, I would love to be able to get out of this right now. Um, but yeah, no, that was a head scratcher again. Jeremy Grant, nice player. Is Jeremy Grant one of the highest paid players in the NBA? I just, I don't get it. Uh, my last one is. The Dallas Mavericks, all right? Three years, 120-something million dollars for Kyrie Irving. I don't have the the exact number up in front of me. I just, I'm not in the Kyrie business. I think any self-respecting organization should not be in the Kyrie Irving business for more than a year. And who are they bidding against? Who was the other team that had tons of cap space and was just like, we'll take Kyrie Irving on a near max. I mean, I know it's lower than a max, but like, what is that? Like Dallas, 
Dallas is doing everything to push Luka Doncic out the door. Everything. This is shades of, and I've spoken about this with our good buddy Alex Disopoulos months ago. This is LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers part one. Eventually, Luka's going to ask out because Kyrie Irving's going to torpedo that situation. They've done nothing around Luka Doncic that has made sense. I know people are saying they had a great draft, whatever. I, I'm not a draft expert, but it's just, I don't know what they're doing over there in Dallas. And Kyrie Irving is not the solution to your problems, no matter what the statistics show on how he played with them last year. I'm sorry. I like to ask this question as a 50% joke and 50% legitimate question. Does this make LeBron's 2016 championship like five times more impressive the fact that Kyrie was his number two yes yes if you're ranking LeBron James's accomplishments in terms of being impressive number one to me is still taking the 2007 Cavs to the finals even though they got swept I know he's won four titles well three and a half titles because I'm not counting Orlando as a full one I'm sorry sorry Laker fans I know they're gonna get butthurt about it but it is what it is that run is incredibly impressive. If you look at that roster, and again, the East was no great shakes, but still incredibly impressive. But number two is like that Cleveland title, corralling Kyrie Irving's crazy ass. And again, he went crazy the following season is ultra impressive. So yeah, I've just, Dallas, I don't know what you're doing. Um, want to do transition to this. I know we were going to talk about James Harden, but I did a little bit of a rant on this in the opening. I actually think he's going to end up in Philadelphia because I don't think anybody's going to really trade a whole lot for him. And Daryl Morey's going to hold out a little bit. Your take on the in-season tournament that was just announced. What are your feelings on this? I don't really know. Like I got kind of mixed feelings about it. I mean, are players going to care a whole lot? Like, I don't know. I wish I could give a more well thought out answer, but just kind of reading through the news and processing it a little bit. I'm just, it's one of those things that it's like, I might not have much of a strong opinion on it until we kind of see it in action. And it's weird. I mean, you could tell that the whole approach of the regular season doesn't matter was very well illustrated this year. I mean, like, look at the Heat, who seem to just be a completely different team, not even in the play-in tournament. Once the playoffs started, once it was like, okay, the guys, like, we're going to get eliminated, so let's actually, like, let's crank it up a little bit. Then it was just insanity. Uh, the Lakers were a very different team, and, yes, I know the trade deadline happened. Uh, the Warriors were kind of what they were, but there was the whole narrative, like, oh, they're going to flip the switch and solve all their problems. They got to do something about the regular season. I just don't know what I'm going to think about this particular instance. I have no intention on caring about this regular season, mid-season tournament. I have no intention. To me, the players are not going to care. Yeah, they're going to make a little bit of a bonus, but I don't see that bonus being substantial enough. I mean, they already get paid you know, up sometimes upwards around $40, $45 million a year and then just sit out games. And again, a lot of that has to do with the owners being willing to do this and Adam Silver kowtowing to the players, but whatever, we're not going down that road. 
I just don't understand why I'm going to care. Like, you're telling me as, you know, I'm a Knicks fan, a long-suffering Knicks fan. If the Knicks win a mid-season tournament, am I going to, like, hang a banner? No, I'm not going to give two shits about it. Not even in the least bit. Like, and how are the winners going to get something? Like, what is this? I, I just, Adam Silver, just... He's just dropping the ball constantly, and I've been on this for a while that I think he's the worst commissioner in pro sports, gets celebrated like he's a godsend. I I just don't get it. I don't get what he's doing here. I mean, look, this may be a little biased being a little close to Oakland, but I think Rob Manfred is pretty horrendous. I would not put Adam Silver below Rob Manfred. Maybe. Fine, I got to look into Rob Manfred a little bit. He doesn't help himself very much either, but – I just I, I don't get what's going on here. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, again, I wish I could come in with a stronger opinion and a stronger stance on it. But it's just going to have to be the kind of thing that I watch. And I'm like, do I get anything from this as a person who talks about the NBA, a person who watches the NBA, a person who gets to make insights? And I just don't know. I just don't know right now. Adam Silver clearly has a boner for soccer and European soccer. The NBA isn't European soccer, all right? It's the NBA. Enough is enough already. I'm so sick of the Adam Silver era. Like, I'm so done with it. All right, but moving on, last question. The FIBA tournament for the United States. How are we feeling about this roster, and are you going to be paying attention? Probably not paying a ton of attention, to be completely honest. I mean, I always like the fact that different players who aren't necessarily like on your Olympic team or anything like that get a chance to go do something different and play with a different group. I think it'll be fun, but I wouldn't say it's the kind of thing I'm particularly wrapped up in. I mean, I'm going to have fun in two weeks getting into the Women's World Cup with the 32 teams, seeing if the U.S. can make that three-peat happen, and maybe they will, maybe they won't. But uh, I don't know. The summer, I think, is a good time where, like, I never turn my brain off from sports. Like, I think you're the same way where it's just never going to work like that. But, like, you kind of just, like, take it from here, a little bit down to here, so then when then when football season comes back around, you can kind of ramp it back up. Well, this summer is a great you know, place for me to be in terms of scaling back. And again, I'm too much of a sicko, so I can't because the Yankees are not a whole heck of a lot interesting right now. So it's fine. Like I haven't watched a full Yankee game in a long time. Domingo Armand was pitching a perfect game. And I found out about it in the eighth inning and turned it on in the last, you know, three outs. And the ninth, I was just like, all right, that was cool. Great. I guess wake me up when Aaron judge comes back and he can run. Uh, don't really care. But, yeah, no, I used to be all in on summer basketball, especially international tournaments. And I don't know. This one doesn't really catch my eye. Now, maybe because there's nothing else on, and sometimes you're running out of Netflix and HBO Max that you can catch up on. But I don't know. The roster's fine. I think it's a lot of interesting, you know, young guys. I, I think that they're they're trying to prioritize outside shooting. Um on this team but you know besides for like mikhail bridges and and you know austin reeves can shoot it brunson can shoot it like i'm not sure they're great shooters on the team i wouldn't consider brandon ingram a great shooter paulo is not a great shooter but i guess i'm gonna watch a little bit but i don't know the years of 
when LeBron, Kobe, and Kevin Durant were playing together, that kind of had my attention, and this just isn't that. I mean, there's a million positive things that I can say about the late Kobe Bryant, but just him trash-talking Luis Scola in Spanish out on the floor, just like a perfect example of who he was as a competitor. LeBron's trying to, like, get him to cool down. Kobe is just always so locked in on the task. Just, I mean, I miss him for not only what he was on the court, but just, like, the kind of insights he would give off the court. There was a video that circulated recently where – uh, Steph Curry was young and up and coming and it was somebody asking Kobe what they liked about Steph Curry and, and what he what made him so dangerous and he gave this really detailed answer about how there's a certain calmness about him where he just doesn't really get rattled in the most high intensity situations and I thought that was uh, you know that's not the kind of insight you would get from a fan or even a lot yeah. of players so um, yeah, I mean he he truly was one of a kind yeah and he, when he ran through Pal Gasol's chest in the summer of 2008 and they were teammates, I thought that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, this this FIBA tournament, not really catching my uh, attention. I will pay more attention to it than I will to the midseason tournament next year because that I just – I really don't care about. Just not even a little bit. All right, Greg, this was good. Nice little wrap-up. I guess on the NBA front, we're just waiting for a Damian Lillard trade. We're waiting for – a James Harden potential trade, even though I don't think it's coming. That'll be interesting to monitor, but it's always good to catch up, man. We'll speak soon. Thanks so much for doing it. Good catching up with you, Aaron. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, make it happen soon. Always. En- enjoy the sun. Enjoy rocking your, uh, your stunner shades and uh, get after it this weekend. Appreciate it. I'll speak to you later. Thanks again to recurring guest, Greg Silver for coming on to talk a little bit about the NBA offseason, free agency, trades. We're really in the dog days. And quite honestly, this FIBA tournament this summer doesn't really tickle my fancy as much as it normally would. I'll probably end up watching it just because the Yankees are really, really boring. Football needs to come soon. Football needs to come soon. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for a Damian Lillard trade. So pins and needles, catch up on Netflix, catch up on HBO Max. With that said, that's episode 215 for the love of the game. Take us out.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.